Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be back in the booth. I haven't been in for a little while because I've been so busy with my kids, and I, I'm here today with Mitch. So, hey, uh, <clears throat> Mitch, I'm sitting here looking at you, and there's all these cars going by, and it looks like a beautiful day. So sure is. Have you have you been enjoying some of this weather that's come about lately? Yeah, yeah. So Kaylee and I try to get out golfing a little bit, which is fun. We do that together. I also also do that on my own time a little bit as well. But yeah, it's been nice. Uh, kids are loving it because they can get out of the house. April, as we all know, is cold. Kids are outside. Avery has an interest in soccer now. Really? So there's a, a park right around the corner, more or less, from our house that we walk to all the time. Lately, we walk over there, and there's all these little kiddos that are a few years older than her that are playing soccer. So she gets all pumped, and she's like, Daddy, I want to play soccer. So she has a soccer ball, and we like kick it around in the yard or whatever, but we're going to try to get her signed up in something this summer or fall. You know, so She's well, only four, but... I know you got something coming for you because I've been doing all sorts of sports with my kids. They're all, you know, almost grown and out the door, but whether it was baseball, volleyball, soccer was the one sport I didn't understand how, why it's so expensive for travel soccer for like being on the team. It's literally just a ball on the grass. And then you got the, 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 you know, the nets there right. and, and the goals and you relatively it, limited equipment, you know, it's not like hockey limited. or something. Yeah, might need a couple outfits. I mean, yeah. half the time they're stripping them off when they score a goal anyway. So it's like, <laughs> I just never got it at why it was so expensive. But then, you know, my daughter plays volleyball too. And, and I've had to, to do a, a few rounds of uh, more than funding uh, a retirement account just to get her into a club team. So, but, but congrats to Caitlin that paid off because oh, she got a little scholarship money. So she, she did. She's going to be going off this fall to, uh, to Malloy university. So I'm really excited about that, but I'm also excited about what we're here to talk to you about today and uh, share a little bit about with you. And some of our clients may know the the acronym ETF, which stands for Exchange Traded Fund. And we're going to talk a little bit about the, the history of funds, kind of how they're used and some of the benefits and the differences between an exchange traded fund and a mutual fund. So now in honor of my birthday month, this is actually something that I'm older than the ETF I'm not sure if you are, Mitch. So, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about that. I literally, before this podcast, was wondering, when was the first ETF issued? And I, yeah. I went online, did a quick Google search, and checked a couple of sources to make sure. And I am, in fact, older than when ETFs were created. Yeah. So, only by a few years. But the other guy in the room, Dan, Dan. I'm not so sure. Yep. He, Dan, he's he's when, lived his whole life when with were you ETFs. Born, Dan? Dan was born. So, he was, he, he was not he was born after. Yet. It was, yeah, it was, it was in 1993 SPY. Yep. So Spiders Index Fund. And it was, it was tracking the Standard and Poor's 500. So the S&P 500 and this exchange traded fund was, was put into place as an opportunity to be indexed, but not actually have to have it inside of a mutual fund. So, and you know a little bit about the differences between mutual funds, right? And, And, and the other interesting thing here is, uh, some of you listening to this podcast literally still might own SPY. Probably <laughs> we use do. it in client portfolios, and and it's it's exactly what John said. It's it tracks the S and P five hundred. So it's it's an ETF wrapper, right? If we zoom out a little bit, if we just use the word fund, right? Sometimes people use ETF and and mutual fund and and fund the word fund synonymously, but there are differences, right? So if you think of a fund, it's something that you own that owns. A basket of goods under the hood. So in this case, if we're using SPY and continuing to run with that, that owns the 500 companies in the S&P 500. 
a mutual fund could do the exact same thing. You could actually own the exact same securities under the hood, but there are differences. So ETF, mutual fund, they might very well have the same characteristics, but some of the taxation differences, how they trade, how they're priced, all those things can be different. So one of the ways I like to, to describe the difference between them is it's, it's like when you're flying an airplane, right? Or someone's up there it, in an ETF, there's really no pilot making decisions. The plane is just set on course and it continues on and it participates in the market movements of the investments that are in there. But in a mutual fund, there's actually somebody there that's that's moving around some of the the uh, the individual stocks or securities that are inside of there, and for a fee, but they can move that around. But even on an index fund, they generally don't make move, movements in a mutual fund, but they can go in and take things out. So a mutual fund is actually an investment management company, and if you own shares in a mutual fund, you are a shareholder of that company, as opposed to a shareholder in the underlying investments. And when you buy an ETF, you're a shareholder in that ETF, but they have all of the investments in there and you actually are within that. You you have the shares of these stocks that if, if they kick out capital gains to you, whatnot, in a mutual fund, there could be a year where the market's down and the investments in the portfolio are down. And towards the end of the year, you hit the uh, date of record for the mutual fund and they distribute capital gains out to you and you go to file your taxes and you say, how can I have capital gains when I was down? Well, those underlying stocks that were sold inside of that fund may have had gains when they sold them, even when they were down for that year. And those gains are passed on to you as a shareholder. So, and that's one of the benefits of using an ETF is, is you don't have that kick out of the capital gains to you. And so you don't have a tax surprise later on in the year if you own them, you know, in the appropriate way in the appropriate accounts. Exactly. And and one of the reasons for that is just how they're structurally different. So an ETF within the, the fund structure, they have these in-kind transactions that can occur. And generally speaking, they're going to be a lot more tax efficient than a mutual fund. So to John's point, I'll, I'll explore that a little bit. Depends on where you own them, right? If you own it in your taxable brokerage account, then absolutely it's going to be taxable in that year. And people... 2021 was a great example of this. There were a lot of funds that pumped out some capital gains distributions in de- in the December timeframe of 2021. And the question is always, hey, I got my tax forms. Why does it say that I had all these distributions? I don't see the cash. Where's the cash? You know, I don't, I don't see money in my bank account. Um, so and we, the, we oh. use predominantly use ETFs here, but we do have clients that have had long-term holds for mutual funds and it's appropriate for them to keep them because of their tax situation. We always review each individual client and each individual account and the tax situation on it. So sometimes those long-term holds, you know, for many years when you don't have that tax surprise, it can really catch you off guard. Oh yeah. Yeah. And 2021 was just one of those years. And, and like you said, we have clients that it's, it's great that they have these long-term gains and there's good reasons for not selling those mutual funds in some cases, but they can definitely get, get hit. So if you have mutual funds in a taxable account and you're holding on to them for tax reasons, it is something to be aware of because there's actually some planning opportunities too when it comes to getting close to year end and you start getting some projections on what gains might be distributed from these mutual funds, th- there can be some planning opportunities. So anyways, that's kind of a little bit of a, a tangent there, but um, back to some ETF of the advantages, yeah. Funds. Well, ETF first funds. So one of the other advantages, Mitch, that I've found and uh, that, that's nice to talk to clients about is, is say you have a, a, a sector that you really feel comfortable 
that you want to be in based on the cyclical nature of the markets and where things are at. So for example, uh, right now, somebody wants to own financials because of inflation and they say, well, they're going to raise interest rates, banks should be more profitable, you know, there, there could be more benefit to that. Which bank is going to be the best bank? Should you go out and buy an individual stock or an exchange traded fund, which is going to trade exactly like a stock with a bid and ask price on the, the day and when you make the trade, it'll fill right then as long as the market's open. That that type of a trade, you can own a basket of those companies. So say, hey, I want Bank of America, but inside of an ETF, it'll give you 6% of Bank of America, 5% of JP Morgan. Wells Fargo. Exactly. And, yep. so, so you can get a basket of stocks for diversification within a sector, and that could be 5% of your portfolio, but you only own one security in that spot. So that's one of the, the big advantages that I see is diversification. Oh, for sure. And and even I've had conversations with people like my neighbors, for example, and you're just kind of shooting the breeze a little bit. And and some of the comments I've had in those conversations, I'm thinking of one guy in particular, I won't mention his name, but one of my neighbors is just like, man, the owning individual stocks just gets way too emotional, right? He knows he needs to be investing in his retirement account and in his IRAs and brokerage account, things like that, but it just gets so emotional, right? Like I, 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 got so sick of following these companies and wondering, well, is, is in this case, if we're running with financials, right, is Wells going to do better than Bank of America? Well, he doesn't know. But then when he sees them move different directions, but he owns the other one, he's like, wait, why did I own that one? I shouldn't have owned the other. In, in this case, right, if he wants that exposure to financials, just own the ETF. And, and so he's, he's made comments to me like, I'm just an ETF guy, less emotional. I can, I can withstand the volatility, but strip out the emotion. Well, I find that funny that you're when talking to your neighbors, you know, I think about a uh, time I, I saw my neighbor's yard getting mowed by a lawn service and we were sitting there talking and, and he's out in front. He's like, yeah, he's like, I, I might be able to retire off of my Shopify that's just gone to the moon. Right. And so he's talking about this and and then just the other day, you know, it's starting to grass is starting to grow. I saw him out there mowing his own lawn, and I so I just asked him, "How's your Shopify doing?" Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, it's like you, you when you do individual stocks, it can be feast or famine. But diversification, we truly believe in that with our clients, and that's why we use ETFs as a as a core of our strategy and for tax efficiency, also lower cost because generally they're not actively managed. Now, from time to time, we will use an actively managed exchange traded fund. Yep. And the reason for that is we feel that, that there's an opportunity to outperform the benchmark with having uh, smart money managers that are in there moving around the securities or making sure that, say, if, it, you know, if we've got an S&P 500 index fund, not all 500 of those stocks are moving in the same direction at the same time. They don't just move in unison. So it's, it's, it's actually a value-weighted index that uh, five stocks can carry that index for a year. It can also drag it down. So, and we're seeing that right now with the NASDAQ. NASDAQ is down, but there's a handful of stocks that are down massively this year. And there's a number of companies that are actually doing well and up. But, but for the overall, for when you look at it, the, the, the majority are down, but there are some that are down bigger that drag an index down. I remember the FANG years. Yeah. Facebook, yep. Apple, Amazon, what, Netflix, Netflix Google. Google, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. I remember that in those FANG stocks, and they, you know, there was a number of years where they drove that. And, you know, I look at Facebook is down 50% this year, you know, and so those, when you see a stock like that, that's run up so much, Netflix is also down massively this year. So people that have held on to their FANG holdings, you know, stay, staying the course isn't, isn't the wrong option. We're not giving any recommendations on what to do here, but they're, they're probably feeling the pinch a little bit more than somebody who's, who's indexed passively towards the entire index of, of stocks that are in there. So, oh, for, 
For sure. And and right now, a lot of asset managers actually think it's a great time for security selection, right? Because of some of these things, right? We're seeing increased volatility, owning maybe a subset of one of these indexes, whether it is NASDAQ, S&P, et cetera. Or, I mean, <laughs> for this conversation, we've we've primarily just stuck to, to U.S. indices, right? But this can also be replicated with international indices too, and, and even on the fixed income side too. So, you know, a lot of times it's easy to just talk about the U.S. equity markets because that's what you see in the news most times, or, you know, you pull your phone out and you see, oh, the market's down. More than likely that's talking about Dow Jones, NASDAQ, S&P, but these ETFs can also mirror an international index as well. Well, you're absolutely right. They can mirror it. And, and from, you know, when you, when you peel back the onion and you look within, you see everybody looks and they say, Oh, on their phone, my Dow Jones industrial average is down today, or it's up today. S and B 500, NASDAQ. They look at all those things. When you peel back the onion and look at the actual individual securities that comprise that, you you can find. Well, well for example, uh, you know, we had uh, someone in our office uh, go and look and see. There was about 30 stocks that were down at least 70 percent or 50 percent or whatever the number was, and and said, "Look at these fallen angels." And then. Five minutes later, we got Poison playing on YouTube in the office with uh, with with Nate Nate Condon deciding to say, "Hey, Fallen Angels." Can you can you recreate that for us, John? I, how's, how's your voice? Today? Oh, it's it's good. <laughs> when Big Mama's Fallen Angel, which brought me back to 1988 when I'm watching Poison on MTV. Probably saw that video 500 times. Back that was back when MTV actually played music videos. So he's music television and now it's just i don't even know what it is honestly i haven't haven't seen mtv in so long speaking we started off this podcast with kind of talking about you know dating ourselves and relating related to when etfs were created 88 was before my time that was one year before i promise you i promise you poison was before your time and (laughs) it was not before my time i had to sneak the uh the cassette tape into my room and listen to it on my sony walkman with my headphones and hope my parents didn't come in and ask what I was listening to because, you know, Bon Jovi, that they had just come out with Slippery When Wet and Poison was out. It was so, the big hair bands, man. That was a generation that you guys, it was just a time in the world where everything was good. If you ever go back and look at the 80s videos of like what was cool in the 80s, I mean, everything was cool in the 80s except for New Coke with Max Headroom and that whole, like when they tried to go away from Coca-Cola Classic and have a new recipe. I mean, they, 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 you can't re reinvent the wheel and make it any better. So it's, that's why, that's why SBY is still around, right? It's, <laughs> right. It, at the end of the day, it, 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 something's classic. It's classic. It's your U S large cap exposure. There it is. But, exactly. that, but the companies have changed. Yeah, so that's, but, that's actually another interesting point, right? About ETF. The, the companies do change. The S and P 500 in 1993 was surely different oh, absolutely. than what it is today. Companies that literally did not exist in the S&P, or exist at all, excuse me, in 1993, are now some of the, the biggest holdings. Well, you're absolutely <laughs> right. You know, there was a book out there by Jim Collins called Good to Great. It's one of my favorite books. It was given to me when I first got in the business 15 years ago. Was that the one? Does he talk about Circuit City in that one? Yes. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, Circuit City and Radio Shack and these companies yeah. that are like no longer around anymore. Yep. But that just shows you like, you know, a business can be doing great and, and go from good to great and then really struggle with some bad management, bad decisions. And that's why the best time to sell a good investment is never. It's a good investment. Why would you want to sell a good investment if it's a good investment? Well, if you need money and you need to pull money out of that, then that's a good time to sell it. You want you to sell it because you need the money, but if it's a good investment, the best time to buy a good investment is when you have the money available. And I prefer to buy things when they're down. 
I prefer to go against the grain and buy things when, when other people it's unfavorable to them. And when the herd is going that way, because it's a good investment and it's offered at a lower price. And, you know, these ETFs, when they've pulled back this year, it, you know, we talk to clients and they say, you know, if you've got something that you know that, that has performs for you and it's, and it's something you need, you know, and, and you go to the store and it's a hundred dollars. And the next time you walk in the store a month later, they're selling it for $80. I might buy two. I, I might buy two as well. It's 20% off, right? It's something that you know you need. You know it's something that performs. It's good. It's quality, right? Well, our mindset when we do that is to capture the value. But when it's an investment, sometimes our minds go the other direction and we think, oh, if it's down 20. It, 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 you mean that you're going to sell that to me for less? I don't want to buy it. It must, it must be bad. <laughs> when, in, when in all reality, it actually is something that, that – when you go back and you look at the historical the performance of investments and good investments is when they pull back, it's because they're oversold or there's a, a regression to the mean. It's, it comes back down to being where its true value should be. And then you buy it. And then those companies continue to adapt to marketplace and they grow and, and investors that stay the course and have that mentality tend to do better over time, staying diversified, of course, not trying to bet it all on, on, on one stock or one company. Um, but, but yeah, these are, we, we talk about ETFs. These are some of the things that we have conversations with our clients about with diversification. We, we think it's a really important tool for what we do with our clients to have um, a broad base of investments to get them from point A to point B. You know, it always starts with the planning, Mitch. You know, we're, we're, you and I are both CFPs. We know that the planning is the most important thing. It becomes easier to select investments when we have a plan in place. And, and so when times like these come, we can be able to say, when a client asks us, should we be making changes right now? Mm-hmm. The very first question I ask them is, have you made any changes to your goals and your financial plans for what you want to do in the future? And if the answer is no, my answer is no, I don't think we should change our strategy. Right. If the answer is yes, we sit down and we recraft a new, a new strategy where we make adjustments. Because do, things do happen in our lives. Maybe you want to sell a business, but it's not ready to be sold. Uh, maybe you you want to work until you're 72 because you love working, but your health isn't going to allow you to do that. So that's when a plan would change. And we can, we have the ability with the, the knowledge that we have and the technology to make those ad- adaptations. Right. And uh, one difference between the strategy changing, but then that doesn't mean that we're not tactically making moves. Correct. Yep. Right. So the, the strategy is still the same, right? we got a portfolio in place, financial plan in place. That doesn't mean we're not taking any action, right? We're still looking at monthly rebalances, right? So if, if your account is out of tolerance, that still happens, right? And that's that's a move that we make where we might sell a little bit of one position and then buy something else that maybe has lagged. And, and John mentioned the reversion to the mean a little bit earlier. So well, that, 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 that doesn't mean that you're not doing nothing, yeah, right? Well, trying to time it, though, yeah. is, 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 is very difficult to do. And there are people out there that will talk about calling where they know things are going to go. But in the end of the day, we don't know. And so if somebody calls and asks me, should I go completely to cash and sell, sell out so that we can um, stop the bleeding, then what's our plan? Because we have to have a plan in order to capitalize on this. So that means things are going to get worse in your mind. And if they get worse, we need to be able to buy back in. But what happens if things get better? Right. I just read something the other day and I don't have the exact numbers. So uh, I'm going to give the disclaimer that these are not exact, but it was something the effect of since 1929. If you go back and all the decades of investing in the S and P 500 through the decade, if you missed the 10 best 
trading days up for the market closing up, just 10 of those days. Days. Right? Days. days. Just 10 days. Yes. Your return from 29 until 2021 was 28% total return. Okay. If you just stayed invested, didn't do anything, closed your eyes, you're up 17,100% somewhere around there. What, what's the, the phrase again? It's not timing the market. It's time in the market. Absolutely. There's, there's compounding, reinvesting. There's so many things that go into that. So jumping in and jumping out, we don't believe is a good strategy. And, you know, there are people out there that talk to us and want us to time things. And we just tell them we're probably not the right firm for you because we really believe in, the, in the, the process and the strategy that we put in place for our clients because it's been shown over time to work. So one thing that's been kind of interesting just with all the volatility we've seen lately on the, on the performance piece and, and you and I both, John, have had several conversations probably when people just say, hey, you know, what are we doing? Has the strategy changed? Like they just feel like something needs to be done, right? And we've had those conversations throughout many down markets in our careers, right? And sometimes back to this difference between mutual funds and, and ETFs, right? If you log into your account and the market's open, you can see what your ETFs are doing in that moment, right? Yeah. My SPY is up X percent or it's down Y percent. And then my, you know, maybe I got emerging market ETF that's up or down, et cetera. Whereas mutual funds, you can log into your account and the net asset value, NAV, that's going to change once the market closes, right? So one thing that's kind of interesting is I'm having some of these conversations, people that have been investing for a long time, maybe they started investing before ETFs even existed and all they own are mutual funds, right? And they, they have this, this myth, I'll say, that mutual funds perform better. And sometimes it's literally back to they can log in and they say, oh, well, well the market's down, but my, my mutual fund isn't really doing anything. Well, it hasn't been reflected yet. So sometimes I think just understanding the difference between how they trade, which we've talked about several times, right? An ETF trades more like a stock, mutual fund, net asset value. And even just seeing some of those differences when you log into your account, you got to be aware of those things, right? Because that doesn't mean that that mutual fund is flat that day. Absolutely. It just means it hasn't been reflected in your account it's yet. Not, it's not posted yet till the end of the day because of how it's structured. But, you know, t looking too much at your accounts as well, too, and, and, and trying to see what intraday isn't always beneficial. And, you know, as I'm sitting here, I just realized I'm getting a call from a client of mine that I know is retiring here in the next couple months. And we've gone through the plan. We've sat down and looked at, at six ways from Sunday. And it's not a great time emotionally with everything going on in the world and where the markets are at to retire. But because we've done the planning, because I don't have him looking at his accounts every single day and we're talking through the goals and what the spend, spend rate is and how long we need this money to last and how much taxes are going to be paid, um, the confidence that comes from that and from, from that planning side of it is, is so key. So I find it funny that I just got that phone call. I hope this client, he might even remember that if he sees this post and uh, this blog, this uh, podcast and he says, hey, I was the one who was calling in. But, but anyway, Mitch, I want to tell you, it's great to be back in the booth. Um, I, I, for one, uh, have really, uh, this year has been a crazy fun year of kids sports and everything going on. A lot of traveling around. But, uh, you know, we are building a great team here, a great team of, of advisors and, and, and client associates and our marketing guy who's, who's behind the scenes, even on our podcast, Dan, does such an amazing job. So we know that there are going to be market 
pullbacks. We know there are going to be bear markets. We know there's going to be fearful times for our clients. And we're here every day coming in to try and make sure that we do a great job for them and help them navigate through this. So it's, it's again, with like the airplane, you know, right now, this is the time in the flight where we're hitting some turbulence, but we don't want to jump out of the side and without a parachute. We want to make sure that we, we recognize that what we're building here is something that's, that's going to get us from A to B safely. And it doesn't guarantee, we can never guarantee that you're going to make money in investments, but we can tell you that when we go back and look historically, investments go up over time and risk pays off. So the more risk you take, the more reward you get generally over the long term. So we want to make sure that our clients know, you know, there's, we'll give you knowledge on ETFs, teach you about the background on it, talk to you about your financial plan. Um, we'll, we want to have those phone calls with you when you're scared. And we want to make sure to, to put that plan in place to, to help you to feel comfortable about achieving your financial goals. So it's, I'm excited to be back on the podcast. I'm excited this summer to have these conversations with clients because it is a scary time. But it's also a time where the most money is made when the market is down. Because those that have the courage to stay in the market and those that are, that are, are able to make a move because they were invested correctly, they have the ability to capitalize on the fact that everybody else that sold out believed that, that they were not going to make any money on this. There's always a buyer on the other side of your sale that's thinking they're getting this at a great price. So. Thank you for joining us. We will check in with you, hopefully in, in a very a, a near podcast. John and I can be on this thing together again. Yeah, so. I, love, I love going going with Mitch. So. so thank you all and have a wonderful day. Walkner Conan Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walkner Conan Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit walknercondon.com.